In today's episode of the Iman Wire podcast. We don't have a monopoly on the truth. The whole truth, the absolute truth is Allah, right? And, and al-haq, and we have to be willing to surrender to these different manifestations of the truth. Very different than alternative facts, though. These are the varying, diverse appearances of the truth before us. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Iman Wire podcast. Salim here with my co-host Irfan. Hey Salim, how's it going? Alhamdulillah, good to be here again with you. And joining us is a repeat guest uh, who um, we're happy to have on the show again is our, our dear Sheikh, Sheikh Muhammad Mendes. Assalamu alaikum, um, thank you for having me again. Alhamdulillah. Alaikum salam. Yeah. You, you, you sort of, you, you came at me fast with the salam. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it. So. <laughs> <laughs> you must be really, you must be really excited to get to get started and talk, talking about our topic, which is, uh, you know, uh, alhamdulillah, um, we wanted to bring you on, uh, Sheikh Muhammad, uh, to have a, a conversation about uh, truth, and I think the one of the things that we're seeing now today in uh, our current, you know, culture, you know, things which are trending, uh, things which are um, how we determine, you know, what is legal, what is illegal, what is good, what is bad. Um, what we're uh, what we're seeing today is what uh, some people have called the we're in the age of feeling, um, whereas previous, um, in, for example, in Western civilization there was an age of faith, the, there was um, and then there was an age of reason, mm-hmm. um, and now some people describe what we're currently in as the age of feeling, and what that basically uh, means is that um, our our subjective reaction to what something that we see will determine whether we determine that thing to be good, bad, right, or wrong, um, regardless of what other evidence may be there. How we how we how we feel about it is going to make us feel make us determine. Okay, well, I think this is not right. I think this is wrong. So especially today now, where we see where emotions and feelings um, will trump pun very much intended mm-hmm. uh, any rational arguments that are being made. Uh, and we're seeing an extension of that, even extending into um, uh, religions and religious communities, and how they determine and how um, the trends we're seeing of people thinking about what um, what is a halal even or what is haram even, uh, how those standards are changing. So I, I, you know, we wanted to bring you on to sort of have a just basically have a conversation about truth and uh, however uh, way we um, establish the, the the standards of truth. What have been your impressions before we dive into the topic about uh, this, uh, the standards of truth, the standards of uh, factuality of facts and versus uh, alternative facts, alternative news, fake news? It's all becoming um, yeah. you know, something that people are talking about. <clears throat> Bismillah. Uh, beginning in the name of God. Again, thanks for having me again. And I'll say it a little slower this time. Assalamu alaikum <laughs> wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam. Peace be upon you and the grace of God and his blessings. Wa alaikum salam. You're talking about the age of feeling, I think it's another way of saying we live in the age of relativism. Mm. Right. right yeah. exactly. Or postmodernism. Uh, in the absence of uh, universal transcendent sources for truth, for morality, uh, people are going to resort to what's most real to them. And and for a lot of people, their feelings, um, their emotions are the world that they that they live in. This the space. Yeah. The mental space that they live in. And uh, I remember when I was in high school, I had an incredible English teacher when I was a senior, inter- international baccalaureate uh, teacher, uh, who used to tell us 
frequently, almost pitying us. You are growing up as children of the age of relativism. And I didn't really understand what she was saying. You know, I was 16, 17 years old, right? But now, um, especially, you know, when you talk about us living in this age of feeling and a number of intellectuals kind of christened, you know, this age uh, by that name, uh, it really it's really hit home, you know, that, yeah. that, that because there's no... For in the public space, mainstream society has established that there is no ultimate truth, no ultimate measure, no absolute measure of you know what is true anymore, except for science, maybe right? Except for science, maybe, maybe exactly. Uh, maybe you know, um, depending on um, you know uh, you know what uh, the observer is experiencing what assumptions the observer has, um, especially when you look at quantum physics and quantum mechanics. Uh, but I think, I think it's inevitable that we, we find ourselves where we are. And Muslims, I think, have a unique opportunity to remind people that there are these primordial, there are, there are these timeless principles and methodologies for ascertaining what is true and what is false, what is factual and what is not factual. And, and I, I think uh, having a conversation about that is, is valuable. I think some of the difficulty that surrounds this topic is also people are not created in a vacuum. And so as they are raised up in a given time, in a given place, their views on reality whether it be simply the reality that they see from a material perspective or the political order that they see or the monetary world that they look at. They look at those things, whether they know it or not, through the prism of other thought patterns, those of major thinkers, but maybe just those of the people around them. And so that kind of socialization of thought becomes a problem when people are given to just simply listening to and hearing whatever they're hearing within their own space, as you mentioned. So they're creating the space within their head and their framework is only the framework of other people that's been kind of passed on to them. And it's not to, to say that people are not independent thinkers, but it is to say that in a country, in a society which you know actually likes to see itself as a society of free thinkers, that free thought has become such a polarizing topic. Uh, because oftentimes those people who claim to be advocating for it don't seem to be actually objectively thinking about it. So right, yeah. historical facts don't matter. Uh, mm -hmm. Spiritual truths or you know points of creed, not important mm -hmm. because I don't feel that way. I feel God thinks this of me. So how is it, do you believe as a community, and you mentioned Muslims particularly, how do you think Muslims can help to maybe change or shape the discourse to get back to more or less the ontological basis for mm -hmm. our truth, which is in our rooted in our, in our deep understanding of Tawheed, the oneness mm -hmm. of God, and him being the ultimate reality? Well, I, I, I just want to say that I think the first thing we can do is resist the trend to use words like alternative facts. Mm -hmm. This double course, speak, yeah, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's double speak, right? right. You know, facts are facts. Yeah. Right? Either a fact is in accord with reality as we know it, and that's ascertained through, uh, you know, you know, 
ascertaining reports that come to us through uh, sources that are credible, mm-hmm. that are trustworthy, uh, that are verifiable, right? Um, and just really holding that standard up. And you know, to the credit of some of our journalists out there, you know, they're saying, no, this is not acceptable. You can't have uh, a world in yeah. which truth is subjective, right? And that's Quranic, right? I mean, it, yeah. I mean, it, the Quran says, you know, verify. Or, you know, that, that you hear news, you should verify it. And and um, you know, it's interesting when you look at the Quran. Uh, there, there's basically three uh, kinds of paths to certainty about a thing, right? And Allah uses the words "imul uh, yaqeen," "ainul yaqeen," and "haqul yaqeen." Right, knowledge of certainty, uh, the vision of certainty, right, and the truth of certainty. We're talking about truth today, and the metaphor that's always been used to explain these concepts. One of them has always been that uh, the first level of truth is receiving a true report about something. Mm. You haven't seen it, you haven't heard it, you haven't experienced it. But someone who's a trustworthy conveyor of that news comes to you, right? And that's, again, why in our world, not only journalism, you know, good journalism is important, but good scholarship. Um, You know, how to know you are receiving truth about what's halal or what's haram or what is uh, a tenet of faith. How is that, you know, how is that true or not? And then we have, um, you know, this the eye of certainty where you actually get to examine something for yourself. You know, so you, you hear about the ocean, but now you can see the ocean. Right. Experiential. Right? Yeah. 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 Well, not experiential that's like, yet. Yeah, that's the next one. Not experiential. Not, not experiential I can still like visual. <laughs> it's eye, you can see it. Yes, yeah, yeah. you the can sensory. hear it. Yeah. 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 Um, but and then the last is what uh, is called haqal yaqeen where you actually experience wow. that truth, where the subject and the object of knowledge become one. Mm-hmm. Right? So you're not just looking at the ocean now. Mm-hmm. You're in the ocean. Yep, right. So you know it's real. Yeah. You know it's true. All right. Um, so I, th- I think you know, th- we need to go back to this paradigm of ascertaining what's real and what's not real. Teaching logic is really important that used to be taught in schools uh, and um, and it, it 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 i think it needs to be emphasized uh, more than ever now you know good thinking mm-hmm. is important yeah sound thinking yeah and that's a step it's not the end i think the end is a lot more profound mm-hmm. but it's the beginning so uh, to kind of open this up in another direction obviously we're in a time you know, every day there's probably something on the news, whether it's regarding, you know, politicians and things that they're saying or the pundits that support either side. There's recent study that showed that basically people in these kind of echo chambers that we we're just talking about, they only talk to each other. So you can actually see this from a data analytical perspective that individuals are literally only connecting with the people that they agree with. And in that, there's this kind of self-edifying of what you already believe to be truth. And then at the same time, the nullifying or the belittling, as you mentioned, this kind of like you, this kind of double talk that people use, you know, alternative facts this and that. You know, one of the problems I feel is that both sides play off each other. So they like to nitpick whatever they can on that. Um, 
you know, just on a personal level, though, if you were, you know, having conversations with with Muslims, I often find that even if they're not uh, fully aware of it, they are engaging in that same type of mentality. And particularly with regards to other human beings, other religious traditions, other types of Muslims. And so they'll oftentimes say, well, you know, those people, they just this and that. But the only thing they ever heard about those people or read about them have been people that have already agreed from where their own background is. Oh, yeah. Or, yeah. or they've only read what Muslims have said about those people. They've never spoken to those people, Yeah, uh, you know, directly for but, themselves. And if, and if I can interject, you yeah. know, what you're talking about, Irfan, is, it, you know, that's actually been studied, like, you know, neuro, neurocognitive studies, you know. People naturally will... Um, if they have a preconceived notion, preconceived be- belief, they will process the uh, you know information that will um, confirm that belief yes. more so than the alternative information or the different uh, different fact. Um, it, you know, confirmation bias is something that's talked about in you know even the scientific research, and that's it's a very mm-hmm. real thing that naturally we as human beings do. So, uh, but I, I like to hear Sheikh if, if you have any reflections in terms of how. You know, obviously, at the time of the Prophet Sallallahu and when the revelation is coming to uh, a group of of uh, to the people there, they have a they have also obviously had a preconceived belief of of in in terms of what they determined God to be, in terms of reality to be. Does the Quran address um, this issue of the, the this almost confirmation bias or this like the, you know you're just following what you yeah. already already believe or already sure. think? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. The, the Quran does many many many. Ayat of the Quran, many passages of the Quran, uh, Allah Ta'ala teaches us, Siru fil ard, you know, go out into the earth, mm. you know, journey, get out of your comfort zone right, mm-hmm. right. and go look at, you know, human communities other than your own. Right. Mm. Uh, Allah says, um, uh, Allah, Allah Ta'ala says, Inna fi inna fi khalki samawat wa ard wa khtilafi layli wa nahal la ayatu li albab those you know who Allah says indeed the creation of the heavens and the earth uh, the alternation of night and day mm-hmm. uh, are signs for those who possess innermost hearts those who remember God uh, standing sitting where they lie on their sides and who reflect on the creation of the heavens and the earth right there's about 700 ayat in the Quran telling you, to look at the creation, the structure of the physical world, to arrive at, to draw conclusions and deduce truths, you know, about reality. Allah says in another ayah, We are showing them our signs, our proofs, Ayah, ayah literally means, it's more than, a, it's not a verse of the Quran. It's a, it's a sign. It's a proof mm-hmm. right. that's meant for you to reflect upon. And the ayah could be scriptural or it might be something in the natural world. That you're witnessing. Ayah says, that yeah. you're witnessing. Yeah. There's about 700 ayah that tell you, look at the natural world. Yeah. Right? So the Quran is not giving you a circular, arg- a circular argument as some critics of Islam uh, want, you know, try to... Uh, say no. The Quran is telling you: look outside yourself, look at history, you know, look at the signs on the horizons and in your own souls until it's manifestly tr- clear to you that He is the truth or that this is the truth. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so the Quran's constantly telling you, get out of your head. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And yes, and I think, you know, we talked about this earlier, what you perceive in the natural world, how you read history mm-hmm. um, is colored by your heart. It's a, it's a lens. It's a filter. But it is our seat of consciousness. It is the faculty. Lahum they have hearts, God says in the Quran, that they don't understand with. So, so you can have a heart, but unless the heart has been um, given everything it needs to function as a as the interpreter and um, uh, of reality that it's meant to be. You know, it could give you a, a wrong reading, and, and that's one. Uh, you know, just uh, if if and if you could expand about this for our mm-hmm. listeners, you know, in Islamic spirituality, how sure. you have the aql, which we consider mm-hmm. the intellect, or or you know, or maybe. And but what's really interesting? Sorry to interrupt mm-hmm. you. The word aql is never mentioned in the Quran. Right. 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 So, and that's that's what I, even I was though the gonna, verb is exactly right, yeah. yeah. Go because ahead. what you were talking about when you're talking about the the verse of the heart, the heart is making the reflection. The heart is what processing it, and that is and, sort of like the, yeah. the the heart is the sovereign of exactly the and human, the intellect the human is at the very most a sub faculty right, right. of the so heart. So if you can maybe like, yeah. touch on that a little bit because some, mm-hmm. some some people may be like, wait, wait a second, wait, I have a mind that's not processing information. You're telling me the heart is Well, to be honest it? with you, I mean, when, when you look at uh, neurocognitive science, it's not our brains that are the seat of conscious awareness. Your brain is a bio chemical decoder, right? It, 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 it uh, takes um, the signals uh, that come to it through your senses and it interprets them and makes sense of them, but it is the heart that is the faculty of consciousness. That, you know, as, at this point, science um, it's beyond science, right? And can, even in the Islamic spirituality, there's like, you know, there's the fu'ad, there's like all these and elements. The, and then the heart has different layers, level, yeah, layers right. and levels, yeah, right? There's, yeah. there's about five layers of yeah. the heart, right? There's the sadr, yes. the outermost le- level. Uh, there's the sharaf, yep. right? Uh, then there's the fu'ad, which is getting into the core. There's the qalb. There's the qalb. And there's the lub that lub, we just yeah. mentioned, right? The very essence of the essence it's of kernel. the essence of the essence of yeah, the heart. Yeah, exactly. And it is the people who awaken this innermost heart that are able to really interpret reality for what it is. And that's why there's, there's a beautiful prayer of Prophet Muhammad. Uh, God Allah bless Allah. him and grant him peace. Sallallahu He used to say, Allahumma arina haqqa haqqa wa rizukna tiba'a. Yeah. Right, Allah yeah. show us haqq, truth as truth. Yes. Which means that you may see truth and not right. I see mean, it as truth and give exactly, us the ability right, to follow it. Wa arina al-batila batila wa rizukna shtinaba and show us falsehood as falsehood. Give us the ability to avoid it. And I think it's very interesting that you were going through the teleological arguments. And I remember reading, um, you know, when I was younger, um, Averroes, uh, mm-hmm. Ibn Rushd has this amazing treatise yeah. where he talks about this. But it's interesting that people can experience nature, can see all these things, and yet walk away denying those signs. Sure. Yeah. But oftentimes because they're stuck in their head. Meaning yeah. that they're not looking at things with this type of spiritual heart or experiential understanding. They want to rationalize, over-rationalize, over-deduce things to make it bend and so it goes, it, so it fits 
what they already preconceive or, right, or what yeah, they preconceive or there. what they want it to be. Uh, so one of the questions I had is that you know oftentimes as Muslims, to be more introspective, we oftentimes say that, well, no, this is our truth, or we have a, a belief, a mm -hmm. core belief in our aqidah mm -hmm. and the different beliefs that, and oftentimes Muslims will oftentimes conflict on these sub-issues, you know, these side issues, <laughs> but they don't necessarily focus on the major issues that may be uh, more of a importance. And so just to give an example from history, uh, there's a great work by a scholar by the name of Starr who wrote a work on lost enlightenment of Central Asia. Mm -hmm. And so he talks about how long it took for Central Asians to accept Islam. And then mm -hmm. once they accepted Islam, how fast they were able to make huge advances in the fields of hadith sciences, but also sciences in, in general, like, you know, the both the religious science and the secular sciences. Mm -hmm. And so one of the, the reasons is that because there was this understanding of that Arabness of Islam, that was so difficult for them to subscribe to. And they were forcing people to become essentially Arab. And so they reticently held on. Some people on. still are. Yes. <laughs> they tried. Yeah, they reticently <laughs> held on to it. And it wasn't until much later, yeah. and through some of the scholarly works of people like Ibn Yusuf and other people who engaged those societies as he traveled there, and him, he himself changed his, legal, his own legal views once he moved to different communities in that area. And so it's interesting that once that started happening and their culture and their history was appreciated, they became you know, vol voluntarily Muslim, I would say, yeah. in more that had happened centuries prior to that. Is there something that Muslims can kind of learn from their own um, evangelical history of spreading their faith that they would probably do, you know, be wiser today when talking about truth to others? Meaning, is there a better way that we can communicate mm -hmm. our truth yeah. than we are now? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, and again, it's... I think you said this, but it was a little implicit. It's not our truth. Right. Muslims do not have a monopoly on truth. Truth, you know, one of the names of the divine is al-haq, the truth. And we don't own Allah. Yeah. Allah owns us, right? Yeah. So, you know, truth transcends religion. Truth transcends religion. And uh, each religion must... And religionists and people of religion must, you know, every day you you need to, you know, make effort to be in harmony with al-haq, with mm -hmm. the truth, right? So I, I think our history has shown us um, in Central Asia, in China, you mm -hmm. know, Islam was in China uh, for about a thousand years or so. And it was always looked at as something very strange and exotic. Mm hmm and it didn't make how get much traction until until chinese muslim scholars like liu ji uh, and others yeah. developed what's called the hans kitab you know and and they began to articulate the truths of the quran using buddhist and taoist and confucian nomenclature yep that's right? amazing and in a language that people using their philosophical with. framework, and once they did that, most and, and the reason why they did that was not to convert Buddhists and Confucians and Taoists. That wasn't the main reason why they did that. The main reason they did that was so that Chinese Muslims wouldn't have this cognitive dissonance mm -hmm. about my their identity as Muslims yes. and their identity as Chinese. Right. They wanted to give them a they wanted to integrate fully who they were 
with their with their cultural identity, with their spiritual identity, with their religious identity. And I think we can learn from that. Mm. You don't have to be Arab to be Muslim. The Arabic language is intrinsically tied to the Quran. Allah yeah, yeah. says, right. we revealed an Arabic Quran, right? And so <laughs> knowledge of the Arabic language, particularly uh, classical Arabic is, is key. But culturally, you don't need to commit what uh, you know is called cultural suicide in order to become a good Muslim. You, mean you don't eat, have to eating stop hummus being, and weren't those? Yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to wear gutra <laughs> and start eating falafel and shorma to be a good Muslim. I'll stick with my biryani. I guess the, the, the key. Well, the key is uh, for every culture, and particularly for us um, in the in the West, is to zero in with uh, zero in with our minds and with our hearts on the timeless truths of the Quran and then to locate those same truths in our own legacy, our own cultural legacies, our own philosophical legacies, our own um, socio-political, in our own socio-political context, and then articulate them again. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Not only for yourself, but also for future generations, and that's like probably the main thing. Exactly. Yeah. So as you are, as uh, so, we get to that point where you are able to articulate the, the truths, uh, the, the, these truths, um, to others, um, and who at this point, let's say, they do not, they do not believe. Maybe they don't believe in God, or they don't believe in the. A lot of these the things that we're, mm-hmm. we're 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 giving out. So you know, obviously, you know, the, the Quran talks about you know people whose hearts are sealed, people who have you know who just will, will not believe. And, and and I wanted to to ask you in terms of there's especially nowadays, like you know where you know we're seeing such hardline opinions about um, you know people very set in their ways, whether it's like. Whatever I don't know what all these sorts of opinions you're seeing on the right and the left, right, in and in, in the American landscape, and it's getting to a point where you know people will just say like you know um, like on social media for example you'll see like a, a picture of somebody like you know uh, evoking or advocating some very far right stance you know or some racist stance and then yeah. so sometimes the response from I see some uh, it would be like you know like you know uh, or something like you know these people have their hearts sealed you know things like that but the natural tendency for a lot of us sometimes is to just be like oh, these are people who are lost well, I'll, I'll put it, these like, are people who, are, who can't be redeemed yeah, well, how do you balance that no versus- no no that's that's a that's a mistake you know yeah. you and I do not know who uh, or yeah, who, could not, who right. can and cannot be redeemed but I think well, the emotion. I think the emotional. What I, well, yeah, what I meant to but, say is not like that. We we know that, but I think emotionally, the reaction sometimes would be like these people. Like you know, they're never going to change. You know, why exactly. do you even talk to them? And, and again, Don't even talk to and, them. And again, that, that's a mistake. Right? Allah says, you know, it's the same to them whether you warn them or not. They won't believe. It's the same mm-hmm. to them, but not to you, because right. you're delivering the message. It's the same yeah. to them. Yeah. Right. So that's really important. And I've I've never, I don't think I've ever met someone who really doesn't believe in God. What usually mm-hmm. happens for an atheist or an agnostic is there's a particular concept of God that they reject, right? And a lot of times they'll conflate whatever concept of God they've learned from their family or their culture or their society or from their schooling. They'll conflate that with God. Yeah. Right. And they'll reject God based on an assumption that that is the totality of God. 
But I've sat down and I have friends, you know, who sat down with, you know, self-proclaimed agnostics and atheists who claim they don't believe God and they don't believe in God and there's no way to know if God exists and describe to them some of the names and the attributes of God as we have, as Muslims understand them to be. And they'll say things like, yeah, I believe in that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um one of my friends, uh, Sheikh Faraz Rabani, said that uh, there was a, a sheikh who, who had a discussion with an atheist, and he just told that he said to the atheist, "Look, the God that you disbelieve in, I disbelieve in that God too. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I know about a God that is beyond, you know, um, that that's only attributed with perfection and." absolute beauty and power and transcends all the defects that you're, you've intellectually worked out that cannot be attributed to God. Yeah, I mean, I think what's also been amazing is that the way Muslims have always thought about these issues, like, you know, it's not always uh, a uniformity there. So, like, with issues of the problem of evil, for example, mm. uh, which is in Western theology, mm-hmm. one of the major issues that people have, and I mean, he has his own word, like, I think it's like yeah, liquidity. Theodicy, theodicy, yeah. yeah, theodicy. So these justifying theodicy, God. Yeah, justifying is... God, essentially, right? Yeah. And so you have this whole, you know, circular discussions that can happen with these types of discussions. And yet, in the Muslim, even the people that are considered, I would say, more literalist or harsh, have created something called love theory in the Islamic tradition, like Ibn Taymiyyah, Ibn Jawziyyah, are well known to have this idea of ultimate love as that's the ultimate standpoint that where God comes from and they've got you know have their own critics within our within our own tradition but it's interesting that that can exist though that there's these different thought patterns on how this manifests but to kind of centralize something you guys were just talking about is that oftentimes I feel like as humans when we allow ourselves to give in to this tendency to only listen or validate ourselves through the similar voices or beliefs we often then give ourselves the ability to take away someone's dignity we strip them of their humanity right right? so we strip them of their humanity like our humanity is being stripped and I think we were just talking about well that's a survival technique yeah it's a survival technique it's Mm self-preservation yeah and now it's an election technique right so now it's something (laughs) that you utilize to maintain a a certain level of political discord and through that political discord will eventually you know win out the day essentially right so it's one of those things where it's you know on each and every one of us, I would think, to maybe alter that prism. If you don't know someone who voted for a candidate, maybe not your candidate, or maybe who lives in a world that is not necessarily your world, shouldn't you try at least to, you know, communicate with those individuals as they present themselves in your life? I'm not saying you should go to, you know, small town America, (laughs) you know, open up shop, but I'm saying, you know, you should at least within your daily interactions with coworkers or neighbors that you know may have different viewpoints politically or or otherwise to just have those type of human discussions to connect what Ibn, uh, I think it was Ibn Rajab Mm -hmm. had mentioned uh, in one of his works about the human collective that those universal things that make us all human that i know and you know what's actually wrong because we're all human and we know that stealing is wrong we know that murder is wrong we know these things are wrong because it is not something that is needed necessarily from a a revelation yes that's the fawahish yeah yeah, so you know this is what makes us able to live in pluralistic societies and muslims you know despite what what we may believe now have always lived in. well well, that's the thing and you know when we were speaking 
you know, crossed my mind, and there may be people who are, who are listening to this who are not Muslim, or there might be Muslims who are listening to this who are kind of doubting, you know, whether Islam is true. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that when we talk about the heart being able to, um, you know, read reality truly with a clear filter, uh, there are certain ways that human beings throughout history and you'll find common uh, methods from religion to religion that people have used to shed the heart of its biases, of its prejudices, mm-hmm. of its blind spots. Yeah. Right? Yep. And I think, um, you know, our scholars, you know, like Imam al-Ghazali and Sheikh Ibn Taymiyyah and, and, and Ibn Qayyimah Jawzi and others have done very good jobs of showing what are the universal methods of of preparing a human heart, you know, so that it can perceive reality. Right. But what are some of those, if you don't mind sharing, uh, what are some of those, uh, you know, some of those concepts of how to prepare the heart to, to be able to receive that truth? Well, I think one of them is to, uh, and I think one of the, probably the most basic, there's, there's a number of them, but one of the most basic is to tell the truth. Right? To, live, uh, to live an honest life. To be, uh, yes, to uh, siddiq. You know, to tell the truth, even when it's against your own self. You Another know? chronic principle. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. even prophetic, right? Because prophetic, like the Prophet yeah. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was prepared, you know, before even revelation as being the most trustworthy. Yeah. Thing, so. And he said, and he said, and this is kind of, it's related to what we've been talking about, but in another dimension. Right? Yeah. He said, the more truthful you are, the more true your dreams will be. Right. Mm. Right. Right. So the truthfulness of your speech has a direct corroboration to the correspondence of your dreams with reality. That's interesting. You know? Mm. But that, that's just one way. And, and again, you'll find these from religion to religion. Yeah. It's, it's, and and uh, I don't think we should ever make the assumption that, again, that Muslims have a monopoly on truth. Only Allah knows the entire truth. Only Allah knows the entire truth. Right. Right. And uh, a lot of times when you get into creed or aqidah, you're kind of given this idea that, look, this is the truth. Yeah. Right? And whoever adheres to this truth, you're good. And whoever um, doesn't, you know, check all the boxes, you know, there's something that's fisk or something in the aqidah, there's something wrong with their theological yeah. uh, standing. And and I think it's so many, in many verses of the Quran, Allah teaches us, you know, Allah will inform you on the day of judgment. Yeah, of whatever you did or whatever you happened, yeah. No, I don't juxtapose this um this Quranic Islamic emphasis on on pursuing the truth mm-hmm. where where we are today where actually people are actually calling our time not just the age of feeling but like a post-truth era. Yeah. And that exactly. facts don't matter, that right, reality right. doesn't matter. Well, they would like some people would like that. Well, well yeah, then, certain, then, some people have certain agendas. Most yeah, money certain. and the most political power can shape. Right. You know yeah. what facts? Yeah, you more know, you would like like yeah. Cambridge Analytica. You yeah, know, there you go. Exactly. You know, yeah. they, they were literally, you know, with the help of you know social media, yeah, uh, free data co- companies. They were basic. They were literally watching user behavior. Yeah, and crafting a whole, you know, online experience mm-hmm. based on your own likes your own right. loves, your habits, your appetites. It was a virtual world. Yeah. That each 
that was shaped it was shaped and curved around your own um hawa your you, own appetite. Yeah, and I think it's interesting with the whole Cambridge yeah. Analytica, which also gets off is that, you know, people agree to be part of these social media right, platforms. Right. They sign these enclosures, they, you know, whether they, but they wanted to be a part of that platform, knowingly or unknowingly, that data was then utilized upon them to reinforce or to stigmatize, or in the words of some of the investigations, create discord within the American, you know, like voting bloc. And so, it's just very interesting to see how all this is, you know, all over the news now. We're seeing this, you know, uh, you know that we our worst aspects of ourselves are being turned against us in a way. Yeah, and this yeah. is why spirituality is so important, right? Because spirituality, and to be more specific, al ihsan, right? right? The, the 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 quality of selfless generosity of soul that you know, uh, is expressed through worship and service to others as if you're beholding God, that really protects you mm -hmm. from being manipulated and being controlled. Yeah. Because you develop this sixth sense, you develop kind of an intuition. Um, and it's not, it's not, um, it's a very real uh, ability, you know, that people have been able to cultivate. Uh, where you'll know something's, you know, you'll you'll see things for as they are. You know, you'll see the truth as the truth, and falsehood as falsehood. So, as as a, as a final point, uh, mm -hmm. uh, if you could, is there any advice that you could give for <laughs> the truth seekers, just people trying to promote truth in this era that we're in? You know, because it's almost as if with this this post quote unquote post truth era, that for the people who do have beliefs in in in, in truth, it's just like well, I just can't. Just let's just retreat and. And do our thing, and you know whatever's going on. In the retreat to where? Like, retreat and well, exactly. But like the there's idea, no is, retreat. Like, but there's a there's a level of avoidance because people are just like everything's around us. Let's so let's just not engage. Let's not try to challenge these falsehoods. What is the impetus of uh, challenging these 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 falsehoods that mm -hmm. are the, the being promoted today? How far do you go in trying to like prove? Or, or show people like you know that this is there's a there's an alternative there's a way of um, of approaching mm -hmm. uh, things that you have not yet considered. How far do you go in that? Because you know you could just you know when you, you talk about all these arguments or even like the arguments for um, let's say the arguments for God for example mm -hmm. like that. You know you could go in circles and circles with a lot of people making these arguments and talking about like the different proofs for God or the different and, and the atheists have their. So like how far do you get into it? I'm just gonna say like is there a certain limit well, of yeah, how yeah. far we should? Well, you have to get you have to way. zero in on a person's true motivation. Mm. I mean for some atheists, I'm, I'm not gonna claim that that's this is in every case, but for some atheists it's not. The, the belief or disbelief in God is not based on logic. It's based on empiricism, okay? Um, so you have to understand their language. You can't use a logical argument to prove God to someone who's a materialist. Yeah, you can't. it's not going to be solved with some right. syllogism. Okay. Yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah, you have to meet them where they are. Yeah. And then for other people, it's, it's neither of those. It's an emotional yeah, it's right. something emotional. Something happened. Some trauma happened in their life, right? And they're angry. Yeah. You know, if there's a God, why did why did I lose my mother? Yeah, exactly. You know, if I if there was a God, why was there a Holocaust? Right? If there was, you know, and so on and so forth. So you have to really zero in on, you know, what's veiling that person, you know, from an honest um, embark embarkation in pursuit of truth. 
Right. All right. Uh, secondly, a truth seeker, again, needs to do whatever they can to embody the truth in their own personal life. You know, so, you know, telling the truth, uh, standing up for truth, even when it's in your own family, it's very easy to, you know, get on the front line, you know, uh, of a, a protest, you know, against whoever. Right. Right. And, you know, get a bullhorn and make a sign. And in your own, f you know, home, in your own family, ignore transgressions and uh, against what is true and what is just. We, we can't live these uh, double lives. I'm going to use a buzzword, microaggressions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think it sounds a lot like the, when I think when I think about this topic, I was thinking about Surat al-Asr, which mm -hmm. ends with this idea that you, after you believe that you should, what the wasl bil haq, that you should be spreading the truth. Yeah. And then, so I think to Celine's point, but I think what's interesting that this, that the surah ends with one more attribute that people should have, which is patience. Right. right. And I think maybe that's where sometimes we kind of like lose the day or lose the argument. Is that are we not, are we exhibiting this action of spreading the the truth to combat falsehoods, to different narratives in in different spheres? But more importantly, are we mm -hmm. having the type of patience that's needed uh, to really win the day? Yeah. At the end right. Of the day, yeah. If you yeah. if you succumb, like you know what, I'm walking away from and, this. And perseverance, like yeah. sabr is is. It's it's you persevering and not complaining. Right. Even when there's difficulty. You yeah. Know? It's difficult. It's hard. Right? But you're not complaining. Yeah. You know, and you're not stopping either. Yeah. A lot of times you say patience, people interpret that sometimes to mean passivity. Yeah, to right? sit back. But sabot is active. It's an active acceptance of difficulty and only responding to that, to that difficulty with a positive action and engagement, you know. Uh, the last thing I would just say about uh, my advice for truth seekers, like Malcolm X, Rahmatullahi, Al-Hajj Malik Al-Shabazz, you know, for me personally, his journey seeking truth helped me in my own journey seeking truth. And, and one of the things I learned from his life, from Malcolm's life, Rahmatullahi, is you cannot make any assumptions about what truth is all right and what what my and, and and what may be true for you today may change tomorrow and when god gives you more truth when god elevates you to a higher realization of truth you have to be able to let go you have to be able to let go of you know what you thought was the whole truth mm -hmm. yesterday and allow god to take you to a higher vista you know, a greater vista. And so he kept doing that throughout his life, right? And he was always passionate. He was always committed. But whenever God would raise him, raise his, you know, deepen and broaden his vision of the truth, he went uh, to that new place willingly. And I think that's, truth doesn't have a particular form. There's even authentic hadith, sahih hadith, in Bukhari and Muslim, that on the day of judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reveal himself to the Muslims in a form, right, the word that's used is surah, in an image, a form, that they're not they, they, that they that they were not never uh, familiar with in this world, in this world. And as a result, they won't bow, they won't prostrate to Allah. Until he manifests to them through a, a, a theophany that they're used to in this world. And then they prostrate. These different tajalliyats. 
So again, we don't have a monopoly on the truth. The whole truth, the absolute truth is Allah, right? And and al-haq, and we have to be willing to surrender to these different manifestations of the truth. Very different than alternative facts, though. Yes. These yeah. are not alternative facts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are the varying, diverse appearances of the truth before us. Well, alternative facts are intentional lies. Let's just call it, that's it all they are. <laughs> so, they're intentional I mean, that, yeah. lies. Well, they're my so. truths, you know, so... <laughs> Yeah, so it goes back to, you know, what I think it's a great point to end on, Sheikh Muhammad, about, um, of course, the example of, uh, of, of, of Malcolm, but the, the, the constant humility that's required right. and being, able, being willing to surrender. And that, of course, is what is the essence of our faith and being surrendering to exactly, to yeah. that. So, so I, on that note, I really want to thank you for this. I, uh, no, thank you for having me. No, it's it's always 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 like, well, we really enjoy having, your, uh, having you on. I and feel compelled even to mention my own truth. I think it was <laughs> for, uh, I read Mar- I think when I read Mar- Mar- Malcolm's autobiography in fourth grade. That's when the Spike Lee. How old were you? Wow, that was that I was, was fourth grade. Yeah. I think I was like eleven or so. Yeah. My dad took us to uh, nice. a rated R movie. I think it was the first one we saw. Um, and we were little kids, and then uh, it was ninety. You mean the, the, sp- the Spike Lee? Yeah, X? Spike Lee. Yeah. yeah. So that was like a huge thing for me. And then reading his literature, and I still right. have kept his books as, as speeches. Mm-hmm. I think the one truth is, like, I think every book report I ever done in my life has been about Mal- yeah. Mal- Malcolm X. Well you, know, you know, <laughs> well, you know what he said. He said. Sure. He said. Uh, I am for truth. Yeah, right. No yeah. matter so who says that. it. Thank you. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm for justice, no matter yeah. who it's for or against. Yeah, that's and what I'm, I'm first and foremost a human being, and therefore for whatever is in the benefit of human beings. Yeah, mashallah. Or, or words to the, that effect. Great legacy there. Well, thanks All for right. your time and no, your, thank you. and your presence. It's, always, it's been always awesome an honor to hang and pleasure. out. Thank you again, Sheikh Sheikh Muhammad. And we're going to have you again on Inshallah, again, uh, you know, uh, I'm at your service. Yeah, we'll go back the, to Jersey to Salim's neck of the woods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that, are you from Jersey? Yeah, what, yeah, what yeah. I'm, I'm from I'm from Central Jersey. Yeah. Oh, that's where, right. Where, you, where you, drew you drew up. You drew up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're over South there. South Brunswick. I'm gonna have to. Yeah, we have to come up and and uh, okay. so see you up there and uh, and have another discussion about uh, something that will get us in trouble. Marhaba. You know? I think '90s hip hop is the next topic. Right? So, <laughs> well, the the conversation about masculinity, you know, sacred masculinity. Oh, that went everywhere. Oh, let's not talk about that. <laughs> Part two. We have to go offline for that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got some issues. Some issues. I got a lot of interest. Yeah, it did. Alhamdulillah. Sparked a lot of interest. Yeah, yeah, yeah it did it did. Uh, but so again, uh, thank you, Sheikh, for for being with us today. Oh, I want to yeah. thank, thank the you. listeners for um, for joining us in this other episode. Again, if you're uh, listening to us on uh, iTunes, please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, leave a review. Um, give us your feedback. All of this really helps get the podcast out to a greater audience. Um, share it with uh, you know friends and family. Anyone you think can can uh, can benefit from this also you can give us feedback at imanwaralmadidainstitute.org uh, and until the next time uh, assalamu alaikum peace be unto you